Well, we've been in the book of Romans, and, and still are, but not today. Uh, along the line, anytime we're in a series, I try to be attentive to the Holy Spirit as He compels me from time to time to step away from the series to address other Scripture. And to, today is one of those, and, and I have learned to not try to force my way to stay on a target of my, my thoughts, but to look to the Lord. Dusty, even in his prayer, prayed, Lord, protect us from the enemy. But I, to, to the church family here, I sent out a, an email calling us to walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh on Monday. And, and, I, and I asked for us all to be on guard against an enemy that desires to divide the body of Christ. And that, that we would all be diligent to put on the whole armor of God, that we might be able to stand against the schemes, the wiles of the wicked one. Yesterday, we had a, a men's prayer breakfast, and, and one of the things that, that was brought up, I don't know who, who was the one that said it first, but talked about that as children of God, it's as though we have a target on our back for the enemy that we are targets for the enemy. And, and, and the enemy is the host of wickedness. We know that. And so uh, it seems like that through the years, that every couple years or so, we have a moment like this today. Uh, a call to stay on guard. Stay on guard. Put, put on the armor. Don't, don't slack off because we are in troubling times. Can I say that? I, I, I think we would all say uh, with, with, with the COVID deal that's going on, uh, that with an election that's coming up and, and the fighting on both sides and the fighting within each side, uh, racial tensions that, that are going on, discrimination of all sides, you know, it's not just black and white. It, it's it's uh, against Christians. It's against Jews. It's against all kinds. And so we need to be on guard against an enemy, especially the, the, the children of God. Uh, we talked about people who are not born again. They're going to act the way they're going to act because they do not have a Holy Spirit in them to give them direction. So don't be surprised when sinners act the way sinners do because that's all they know to do. They're doing what is right in their own eyes. And they're being pushed and compelled along by any voice that they can latch on to or a cause they can latch on to, and away they go. But for the children of God, we have a voice of truth that we listen to. And, and we listen to it and let that voice of truth be our guide, the Word of God. And we have an adversary. And who's the adversary? Well, Satan, the devil. The, the Bible gives many names. Uh, uh, he's a roaring lion in 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, that's quite a picture, isn't it? The adversary. Now, now, just let me say this. Is the devil 
omniscient and omnipresent? Can he be everywhere at one time? No. No, he can't. But he has his fallen angels, doesn't he? And uh, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. And so <laughs> I heard someone say, you know, in some circles they talk about binding Satan and say, well, that'd be great, you know, bind Satan and then uh, all the rest of us are okay. Because they think that he can be everywhere. But, and I know what they're saying, but it's his minions that are everywhere. And so he is a roaring lion, our adversary, the devil. Uh, and he is a murderer and a liar. John 8, verse 44. John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil. He was talking, Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And the desires of your father you want to do. And talking of the devil, your father, the devil. He, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. So is there any doubt about him being a liar? He's also a great dragon, a serpent, Satan, the devil, and a deceiver. Revelation 12, verse 9. For the great dragon was cast out the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So now, we got, do we know who our adversary is? Yes, we do. Now let's take a moment and pray before we go further. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word and, and, and Holy Spirit, Spirit be our teacher today. What we know not teach us what we have not give us, and who we are not make us for Christ's sake. And in His name I pray, amen. That said there, and His angels were cast out with Him. How many angels were cast out? Uh, Revelation 12, let's read verses three, or, uh, 4 and 5. 4 and 5. His tail, and here's talking of the great dragon, His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. A third of all the angels, and then what was one of their chief goals? Let's keep reading here. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Now, I believe that this is a picture of spiritual warfare that's going on at the birth of Christ. Satan seeking to devour the child as soon as he was born to stop the Christ from coming to do what he was going to do. So even at, at birth, and Satan's attempt to kill Jesus as a newborn child failed. We know that. Did he make another attempt very soon? Yes, tried to kill the toddler, Christ, didn't he? Through who? Through Herod. Through Herod. Uh, uh, Herod had a plan and, and had all the, 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 those baby boys killed, two and under, that was in the land. Satan work, or working through Herod. Can, can Satan do that? Can he work through people? Yes, he can. Let's, 2 Timothy, 2nd chapter, verses 23 and 24. But avoid foolish and arrogant disputes, knowing that they are, 
They generate strife, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Now, who is the opposition? What's those who are, who are lost? If God, perhaps, will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having taken been taken captive by him to do his will. And we have, especially in the Old Testament, many, many places where it seems the devil took people captive to do his will. So I believe Herod was a captive of the, of the devil to be used to try to kill the infant Christ. And we know that Herod's plan failed. And, and I believe the battle for Christ's life continued throughout his ministry. You know, there were times uh, where angry crowds came upon Christ seeking to kill him. And, and uh, I didn't put those scriptures down, but there's those moments where they're all around. It doesn't look like there would be a possible way for him to escape, but remember who he is, remember who his father is, and he just goes up and leaves from the crowd. Isn't that amazing what God can do? And so Satan and his fallen angels, what are they up to now? You know, they tried to kill, I believe, the infant Christ, the newborn Christ. I believe they tried to kill the, the toddler Christ. I believe during his life on this earth, they tried to kill him in the midst of crowds and other things. And I believe uh, when Christ was on the cross and died on the cross, I believe that there was great celebration of the enemy. I believe they thought they had won a victory when they finally took the life of Christ, but we know that it was for God's plan and purpose. Now, there's a great lyric from that song we sing from time to time, Glorious Day, but death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him from rising again. So thank the Lord, Satan's plan again was defeated by Jesus' resurrection power and Jesus has ascended back to God the Father at His right hand interceding our prayers to the Father. And now, Satan, what is he doing? Let's look at, back in Revelation 12th chapter, 17th verse. In the short time that he has left before being thrown into the lake of fire, what are they doing? The enemy. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he left to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what is the enemy doing yet today? Making war against who? The children of God. Born-again believers. And he's making war. He went to make war with the rest of the offspring, the children of God. And so do we need to be on guard? Because we have an enemy that's seeking to make war against the children of God. He has lost the battle of destroying Jesus Christ. He lost the battle in destroying the lineage of Christ, even before Christ was born, <laughs> the, trying to break the lineage. And, and there's... I believe, and I didn't have it down here, but I believe I preached it before in another sermon. I believe the lineage of Christ 
got down to one single boy. And I forget the side it was, but it got down to one single boy. That's how close it came for the lineage in which Christ was to come through to fulfill prophecy came down to just one. And if that one had been destroyed, the lineage would have been broken. But God preserves, doesn't He? He preserved. He preserved His lineage. He preserved Christ until the cross for His plan and His purpose. And all oh, He will preserve us. He will help us against the hand of the enemy that seeks to destroy even us. So may we be equipped. May we be prepared. May we put on the whole armor of God. So what am I getting ready to read? Ephesians 6. Let's go. Let's read it. I kind of looked in my sermon notes and about every two years we get this reminder. And I'm not sure just if this is just today or this may be a few Sundays. I'm not sure yet. You be praying about that that I, that I may discern uh, how long we will be camped out talking about such things. Ephesians 6, let's read the entirety of uh, from 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places." Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. See, there, there is a war that wages in the spiritual realm. We can't see it. If we could see it, it would probably scare us to death. Probably would. We know that there's a battle going on. You know, Paul puts it as a wrestling match. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age. So are, are we of ourselves and of our own strength able to withstand and stand? No, no. Where must our strength come from? You're sitting there going, preacher, why are you even asking such a silly question? We all know the answer to this. Well, do we? Do we have moments in our lives when we forget? I think we must have lapses of thinking we can take care of things of our own doing instead of resting and trusting and and walking in His strength and His power. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Uh, Ephesians 6.10. Go ahead and put that up there. The power of His might. The Lord is our strength and shield. It is only by His might that we can stand against the powers 
of darkness. Psalms 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusted in Him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise Him. Trust the Lord with all our heart. Don't lean on our own understanding, but know that He is our strength and shield. About Isaiah 12, verse 2. Isaiah 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. See, the strength of the Christian's life is found in our dependence upon Almighty God. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, because any other strength or power is inadequate. It must be His might, His power. Uh, Verse 11 in, in Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And I know through the years we've talked about this very thing. We're going to talk about it again. That that word translated wiles in the New King James Version is the Greek word methodia, methods. Uh, The NASB, the ESV translates it as schemes. Uh, We get the English word, obviously, method from it. Uh, Thayer's definition, cunning arts, deceit, trickery. See, we, we must learn to stand against the methods the schemes, the trickery of the enemy. Where was the first encounter of the enemy with mankind? Garden of Eden. Let's go there. Genesis 3, uh, first seven verses. And see what the schemes were in this first encounter. Genesis 3, the first seven verses. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, the serpent, said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. What was the method? Lies. Lies. Deceit. (laughs) The the serpent plants the thought, or the, the doubt, the doubt. Has God indeed said this? Are you sure? Are you sure that's what God said? We talked about this a little bit yesterday. Does doubt ever enter your mind? Yeah. 
or, or at least it tries to. And, and we need to combat, combat it with the, with the voice of truth. Uh, and so here, Satan is trying to plant seeds of doubt. Did God really say that? I, I, you know, I, you can almost imagine the conversation, can't you? And if we listen to the deceiver today, he will do the same thing to us. Is that really what the Word of God says? Is that really what God said? Surely that's not it. Eve says, yes, we can eat of every tree except for that one. The, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if we eat of it, we'll surely die. Oh, no. Surely that's not what God said. Well, it was what He said, wasn't it? The enemy's attack was on the mind. And he started with Eve, and that's just where he started. Man was just, Adam was just as culpable in this, wasn't he? So we're not going to try to lay more blame on one than the other. They both fell. They both disobeyed. See, because if the devil can get you thinking like he wants you to think, <laughs> he's got you right where he wants you. Did you know that? He wants your mind. He wants you to get your focus off the things of God. To get your focus off the Word of God. See, for, for the most part, Satan is very subtle. A lot of times it's not some great big something that's going to just jerk you way to the left or right. It's some tiny little subtle thing that will get you thinking and get you moving a little bit, and then a little bit more, and then a little bit more. You see, subtle. A lot of times it's very subtle. And he's after our minds. It's a battle for our minds, our thoughts, our desires. It, it, am, I, am I right in the midst of that? And, and I know I've said this, and, and we've talked about this before, is not every sin we commit first conceived as a thought? It, it seems to me like I could say yes to that. That every sin I commit, there was first some kind of thought that went with it before I committed the sin, whatever it is. And so is it important to have our thinking where it should be? Yes. Yes, it is. A battle for our minds. And, and you know where I'm getting ready to read probably in 2 Corinthians 10th chapter. 2 Corinthians 10th chapter verses 3 through 5. And this is the Apostle Paul. And remember what he said in, in Ephesians. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. Now, now look what he's saying here. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh... That's his body. All of us that's still alive on the face of this planet, we're walking around in this flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now how important is this when we're talking about our thinking? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood, Paul said, but spiritual, mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, casting down doubt, casting down schemes in the wiles of the devil, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Take every thought. What's, what's that saying? What's that mean? That means if I have a thought... A temptation to do something that would be a sin. And we are all tempted by various things. Amen? Can I say that we all have a weakness in some way, whether it, whatever it is. Uh, a weakness to worry and anxiety, a weakness to lust, a weakness to something that is if I could say a weak link, that it seems like that's the thing that we must set a watch, a guard against. And so here, we need to, if we have that thought, we need to immediately, I like what Brother Brian has said, you know, within five seconds, within five seconds, take that thought and, and take it to the word of truth. Oh yeah, this is what, the enemy is trying to tell me, but the voice of truth, the word of God says this. And you cast out that thought, replacing it with the word of truth. I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. You can sing it, right? Sing it. Tells me a different story, the voice of truth says do not be afraid the voice of truth says this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me i will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth because there's voices calling out to us we could say that right there are voices calling out to us the enemy the things about us, are, are the, the world, the flesh, the devil, a lot of different things that's calling out to us. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Whatever we may be going through, out of all the voices calling out to me, I will, I will choose. I will choose to listen and believe. Is that biblical? Yes. Yes. The Apostle Paul talked about it, didn't he? I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. And so, may I, may, may we all listen to the voice of truth. Because if we lose the battle of our mind in, in a thought that is taking us down a pathway towards sin, it's, it's not long before the thought goes from our mind to our behavior, to our action. So we must bring every thought back to the obedience of Christ, bring every thought back to the truth of God's Word. No one is exempt from the schemes of the devil. And in this area, I can say no one who ever lived and walked on the face of this planet was exempt because 
Was Christ exempt? No. No, no. Let's go back and, and, and read that and re remind ourselves of what happened. Let, let's go to Matthew, the third chapter. Let's begin there. And we're going to read 13 through 17. Then we're going to pick up in Matthew 4. And, and again, this is just reminders. This is reminders. It, is, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Yes, it is. To remind ourselves of these things. Yes, it's good to have these moments to remind ourselves of things that we know, but refresh, refresh in our mind. Uh, so here is Christ, uh, uh, Matthew 3, verse 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John, John the Baptist, at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So here, here we have the declaration of God that this indeed, this man, this Jesus is truly God's son and immediately what comes next. Let's read uh, chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I consider the proclamation that had just been made, the voice of God. And Christ is led by the Spirit. Don't let that slide by. This is by divine decree, by the will of God, by the Spirit. Christ is led there for what purpose? To be tempted of the devil. Tempted, uh, perezio in the Greek, it means to test by trial or assay, to make proof of. You see, Satan desires to disqualify Jesus as the Christ, the Redeemer, and God desires to prove that indeed Christ is the one and only Son of God. Uh, Satan perhaps believes that he can strike a blow to Christ's humanity because Christ at this moment is not in heaven. Christ is in flesh and blood on the earth. The Word become flesh. And so I believe that Satan is trying to strike a blow to Christ's humanity. And then let's read uh, verses two, to, uh, 2 through 4. And when he, when Christ had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he, but Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that can, proceeds from the mouth of God. Christ had fasted 40 days and nights. Apparently God had set a time of fasting for His Son. And we don't know the specifics of it. Uh, we, we don't know if... Uh, Jesus took this time to pray and seek the, his Father, uh, perhaps concerning what lay ahead, because this is the beginning of his ministry, his, his ministerial walk on this earth. 
and he was hungry. And Satan comes with a temptation. And let me just say this. Isn't it like Satan to come at a point of weakness? When we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're distracted by many other things. Uh, that, that, that is a perfect time for the enemy to attack. Verse 3, but now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. See, Satan used a seemingly legitimate need and asked Jesus to fulfill it. You're hungry, turn the stones to bread. And, and we know this is possible because it's not too long after this that what did Jesus do? He took, he took five loaves and two fish and fed a multitude. Christ could have done this. He could have turned the stones to bread, but he didn't. He replied to Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that, that is from Deuteronomy. Let's go read it. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. So how did Christ respond with what? The Word of God. The Word of God. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says this, So He humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the house uh, from the mouth of God. See, this is Moses reminding Israel of God's great love and of God's great provision for them. So does, does, God word, does God's word remind us of his great provision? Yes, it does. How about Philippians 4.19? And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is it important for us to appeal to the word of God in times of temptation? Yes, it is. And we've talked about it through the years often and probably. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't looked at the table out there to see what all is on it. But we used to have uh, verses of encouragement. I think we had some other. Uh, I think I printed them off from uh, Desiring God Ministries, uh, uh, John Piper. Uh, it, they called them fighter, fighter verses. And if you're dealing with, with the particular uh, temptations, that here's your verses to combat those temptations, those doubts. And, and this is what the Lord was doing here. Uh, it's important um, that we have the Word of God to, to combat the lies of Satan. Psalms 119 verse 11. Your Word I have hidden in my heart. Why? Why would we do that? That I might not sin against God. So we have the Word of God to combat temptation to sin. Uh, let, let's look at the next temptation that Jesus would face. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in it their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, As it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see here the temptation is different. It's as if Jesus is saying, okay Jesus, if you won't act on your own behalf and turn stones to bread, then let God act on your behalf to save you from harm. Demonstrate to the world. Jesus wants you to demonstrate to the world that you are his only uh, son by allowing God to display his miraculous power to, to, 
to prove that he can save you from even jumping off this high cliff. Then what did Satan do? Satan himself did what? Quoted Scripture. Quoted Scripture. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands he shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's what, that's what the tempter said. Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Who quoted that? Satan. Satan can quote Scripture? Oh, sure. Sure. Use it as deception. Use it as deception. You know, Satan is saying, let the people see this great sign and wonder. Because <laughs> that's what people want to see, isn't it? Great signs and wonders. See, there's many false teachers today who will just twist Scripture until they can appear to make it speak truth into their false doctrines and false beliefs. In Matthew 24, verse 23 and 24. Then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it, for false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Schemes, lies, deceit from the wicked one. Jesus says, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And Christ returns the word as it is written. It is written. Satan's not done. Look at verse 8 through 11. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I, give you, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. What was Satan really doing? You see, I believe Satan knew that one day Jesus would be crowned the righteous ruler of this world. But, but this, this, this is future. This is future. It would come after the work of the cross. And, and so in, in essence, what I believe Jesus was saying here is, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do that. Uh, I'll give all this to you right now. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do that. No suffering, no enduring the cross. Just, just fall down and worship me. <laughs> I always find it so ludicrous that Satan would say to the Creator of all things, I will give this to you. Don't you find that almost comical? Nothing was made that was made apart from Christ. The, the Lord of creation, and here's Satan with a, I guess that was his last attempt, and it was. Satan, my father, has given commandment that he and he alone is to be worshipped, that he and he alone shall I serve away with you. Is there times when we need to say away with you to the enemy? Resist the devil and he will flee he will flee so child of god we have an enemy who desires for us to turn away from the truth of god's word we must be strong in the lord and in the power of his might 
Not of our own strength. We must have the armor, the weapons of spiritual warfare at the ready. Let's read once again. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Here, let's do this. Let's read it together. You can, you can look up at the screen and, and let's, let's read it from the New King James Version. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Can the true born-again believer stand? Yes. Yes, how about Romans 8, verse 37? Yet in all these things we are more than, what? Conquerors. Through Him who loved us. Not of our own strength, but of His. Let's close it out with that James 4, 7 that I alluded to. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What comes first? What comes first? Submit to God. We must first submit to God. To God and His Word. To His truth. So first comes submitting to God. If we have sin in our life, confess. Submit to God first. Then, through His power and His strength, we can resist. And resist to such a point that the devil will do what? Flee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for your word and, and help us to consider it, Lord. Help me. Those times when temptations come, whatever it may be, maybe a temptation to flare up in anger over something that I think I see that's so stupid that I need to put in my two cents. But Lord, help me by your strength to look to you Listen to the voice of truth. Help me to believe your word. And, and know that someday, Lord, you're, you're going to set all things right. I don't need to exact my judgment and vengeance on others. Because one day you will do that. You will take care of those things. With perfect righteousness and perfect judgment. So Father, help your children to... Do the things that we've heard today to stay clothed in your armor, to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh, spiritually, but to walk according to your word, to your commands, your promises. Help me and help us all, Lord, to take thoughts captive. When a thought comes that shouldn't, be dwelt on a thought that is going to lead us down a path that will probably lead to sin, help us to send that thought away with a voice of truth. And help us all to learn 
to learn to do those things, to trust in you, that we may that we may be able to discern when we hear the the subtleness of an enemy that's trying to very gently nudge us away from you and help us to stand with your word, with the shield of faith, help us to stand. And Lord, we we pray that should there be someone that would listen to the sermon and, and they're yet in darkness, they've got, they don't have a clue what I'm talking about. They don't even know that they're themselves being deceived by the devil and being held captive by him. They, they don't know that. And the, and the only way they can know that, Lord, is if you shine light upon them, that you open your eyes to the truth of who Jesus Christ is, that, that, that they might see your holiness and your righteousness and that they would see their sin before you. And that, Lord, that you would show them that there is forgiveness for sin in Christ, in the blood of Christ. And then, Father, just grant them faith. Give them faith that they might believe. And grant them repentance that they may turn from their sin and follow you. So, Lord, open all of our eyes that we might see you in your glory and follow you. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.